purpose is filling the need when there's a need. You know, doing what's necessary when it's necessary. And, you know, when I think about that, I think about, you know, education. Your first step out of your family home is to go to college. That means you need to, you need to show up, right? You need to show up, you need to soak in the knowledge, you need to finish uh, at the job. Do the job, you know, support your colleagues, be a good colleague, be collegial, um, learn, grow, uh, move the company forward. You're listening to the She Is Fierce podcast. I'm Kelly Youngs, the founder of She Is Fierce, a global women's network that elevates women's stories and gives you the tools and connections you need to live on purpose. On our podcast, you'll hear the inspiring stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who have overcome challenges and built purpose-filled lives. And you'll get a behind-the-scenes look at my mission-driven business and learn how to brand and grow your own. Welcome back, everybody. I am so pleased to be here today with Tony Kravitt. Tony is a former FBI assistant special agent in charge. Shortly after retiring from service from the FBI, Tony founded the Risk Confidence Group LLC, which provides solutions that mitigate risk and add value by increasing visibility, enhancing capability, and strategically maximizing resources and systems. She is a licensed private investigator and an expert in developing intelligence-led risk and security programs that leverage collaboration and improve an organization's ability to successfully plan for and respond to risks and security challenges. Tony is also a past She Is Fierce speaker. She is a part of our CEO Mastermind Circle, and she is just a woman that I want everybody to know. Tony, I'm so thrilled to have you with me today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. This is fun. Well, I am thrilled to to have this conversation with you. I know we get to chat quite often and I love hanging out with you. And I'm excited to bring your perspective and also some of your really cool stories to our podcast and share them with our broader audience. So, you know, as you know, our theme of our podcast is all about exploring what it means to live with purpose. And today I wanted to talk about what that looks like for you, but also how you've grown as a person. You've had so many unique life experiences, things that many of us have only seen on television or can only imagine what that would be like. And I'd love to kind of explore what that sense of purpose looks like in your life. So before we go any deeper, can I ask you to share a little bit of your backstory, how you got into the FBI and and what you've been up to since then? Sure. Yeah. So I I think I've I've told you this story many times, but uh, I was as a young girl and I grew up in a very rural area and um, we played a lot of cops and robbers and I never wanted to be the robber. So I, I take that and I say, you know, fast forward uh, 28 years or 30 years and um, the timing was just just right. I had spent a lot of time in the hospitality industry, which is all about people. And um, everybody says, my goodness, the hospitality industry is, is so different from the FBI. How did you get in the FBI? And I say, it's really not because both industries are very much about people, engaging with mm-hmm. people, building relationships. Um, 
so when I wanted to get out of the hospitality industry, I started just networking. I started talking to people and saying, you know, I'm, I'm looking to go back maybe into civil service, something like that. I had done some work in Michigan uh, in civil service. And uh, somebody said, you know, Tony, the Bureau is just really looking for women right now. They're trying to diversify. And uh, so the timing was right. I filled out the application and um, lo and behold, they hired me. <laughs> well, I mean, they were lucky to get you. And I think one of the things that I know from hearing many of your stories is that the intentionality of, of why they were looking for women was to bring a different perspective. And that is absolutely something that you brought into your role at the FBI. Can you share one or two stories of just experiences that you had that maybe were challenging, but also gave you the opportunity to really shine and bring some of your own skills to light in combination with all of those you know, skill sets that the FBI is teaching you as a new recruit? Sure. Sure. So, um, well, as an, so as an FBI agent and investigator, obviously there were a lot of interviews, uh, which could be contentious or not. And then there were interrogations, um, pretty much always contentious. And, uh, as, so there were a lot of, um, a lot of interesting people that I met and a lot of interesting stories. Right. And along the way, I also became a negotiator, a hostage negotiator. And so that really further developed those communication skills the interview and interrogation skills just it just refined them even more and uh you know those were life and death situations i was often you know the last line of defense if somebody decided to hurt themselves or someone else so um i just remember one that was um pretty interesting it's you can just never tell how something is going to turn out but uh one morning well i guess it was one afternoon it was a friday at 4 30 because there was either always a, a, a bank robbery or kidnapping at a, on Friday at 4.30. Um, but two, two guys decided to rob a bank, and uh, one went in, and uh, he's passed a note to the teller. It said, give me all your 20s, 50s, and 100s. Don't push the silent alarm. I've got a gun. And uh, so the teller you know, put the money together, put it in a bag. Um, the, the bank robber, he put it in his, his waistband and he left the bank. He headed out towards the getaway car, but the getaway car wasn't there. Uh, the getaway, his buddy had heard some police sirens in the distance and uh, got spooked, so he took off. So now this bank robber is running through the streets. He runs a few blocks. He goes in between houses. He goes through some backyards. Uh, he comes upon a little, little lady hanging out her clothes in her backyard. He grabbed her. He pushed her into her house, and he pulled her down the stairs into the basement. And as police caught up to him, because the dye pack that the teller had put in his pants blew, so there was a trail of red dust, and uh, they found, you know, they caught up to where he was, and um, and he said, "Don't come in, or I'll I'll hurt her." So that's when negotiators and, and me were was called. And so, you know, side note, you don't actually negotiate alone. Uh, it's a very busy time. There's a lot of things to consider. So it was me and a partner. And, um, you know, we got on the phone, said, we're going to call in, used a, micro or a uh, bullhorn, said, we're going to call you, please pick up, uh, which he did. And he got on the phone and, um, you know, we, we started asking, you know, what's going on? Um, you know, are you hurt? Are you okay? Uh, is she okay? Um, and we quickly learned that he had been burned pretty badly, that, you know, obviously his buddy had, had taken off. This is not what he had planned. Um, started trying to understand um, what, 
you know, what he was thinking. And what I could, you know, as a negotiator, I'm listening for not just what is said, but what the emotions behind the words. Mm. And so starting to really recognize he has a lot of anxiety here. You know, there's a lot of trepidation in his voice, fear, uncertainty. And so starting to label those emotions and try to build rapport that way. And there were a number of times, you know, that he said he was going to come out. And, you know, to make it a short story, he, he, um, he said he would come out, and then he didn't. And there were two or three times. It's the last time he said, we say, um, you know, it was, I guess, if I back up just a little bit, it was really important for us, you know, the negotiators, and then there's a negotiation coach. So we're, bo- we're both on the phone, you know, and trying to, say, give the perfect response every time, right? It helps yeah. if you have a second person. And, um, you know, planning that exit, what that looked like, who he would meet, what it would look like when he uh, came out, how he would be handled, where he would go, you know, uh, filling that void, filling his need at that time. And um, so finally he says, no, I'm ready. I'm, I'm going to come out. And then he said, wait, I need a minute. And he put the phone down. And it was already so tense because he had said, I want to come out. You know, I'm going to come out. Um, you know, we thought we had it all planned. And so here we are again, the fourth time, and he doesn't come out. He says, he puts the phone down and says, I need a minute. And I mean, a minute was an eternity at that point. Finally, he came back up on the phone and it's like, hey, everything okay? It's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I, uh, I just needed to finish my banana. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> oh my gosh. But you know what we failed to, you know, and, and I guess just in the moment, these small things is that he was hungry. He didn't know when he was going to eat again. It helped him to process his thoughts, give him some energy, whatever, you know, but um, he did come out and, uh, and it was really interesting too, because when I think about, you know, building relationships and having to do it in such a dynamic, uncertain situation and so quickly, um, you know, we had, everything had to go like we said it was going to go because we might encounter this person again. So that's just one quick story of, of some of the, um, you know, a, a dynamic, unpredictable situation. Oh my gosh. Yes. And you honestly, you have so many incredible stories. And I want to ask you um, something that is not a question that I often ask in this way, but I think is so fascinating about you and your path. And that is, you, you shared a little bit about how you worked in hospitality and then you decided you wanted to get into something different. But I think so often in life, once we've started along a path, whatever that is, we feel like either we have to be successful and, uh, you know, like complete the journey or we change, uh, like I experience this a lot. We have so many women in transition and, and either going into entrepreneurship or seeking something new in their, in their lives. And, what I hear in your story is something a little bit different, right? So you went from one career and then you said, actually, I'm going to do this thing, which as you said, has a lot of the same skill sets, but also has like infinitely more risk involved is a completely different kind of field. And it makes sense for somebody who maybe is in law enforcement from a young age to say, oh, now I want to go into the FBI. But you made this transition in a way that I think so many people would either maybe be afraid to, or they might just say, well, that's clearly not a fit for me, right? Or they won't want me. But instead, you, as you said, you saw an opportunity and you pursued it and you were really able to thrive in that space. 
So can I ask you to kind of think back around what that experience looked like for you and why you think you had the guts, right, to go for it, and also the confidence and the passion to pursue this thing that really required you to step out of your comfort zone? Yeah, I, I think, you know, even when I was younger, I was a little bit of a risk taker. Um, you know, I'm very curious. I have a lot of interests. So, uh, you know, that drove me, it continues to drive me, right? That's, that's still what gets me up every day and, and why I engage and probably have my fingers in so many things. Um, but I think, I, yeah, I would say that it's, it's the, the curiosity, um, just the excitement, you know, it was, let me tell you, the hotel industry, you know, if you've ever seen some of the shows on TV, yeah, there's a lot going on back of the house. There's a lot of moving parts. And um, so there, there's a lot of dynamics there as well. But it's just, it was just so interesting and the prospect of meeting a lot of people and of service, right? Mm -hmm. Of helping others and service. And also within the FBI, there was a, was a tremendous amount of room for growth. Uh, there weren't a lot of women, uh, but that didn't really, I didn't, I wasn't really concerned about it. I didn't really think about it that often, but I, thought, I saw it as an opportunity. And it was a time that the Bureau really was trying to, re excuse me, reflect the diversity of the country and, um, you know, really stepping out to recruit a diverse group of people that could really speak to any, anyone. And that's just something that has been natural for me. You know, I would get in trouble in school, in, in high school, because I talked in the back of the room. I'd see, sit in the back of the room and talk in the back room. That so never happens to me. I, I don't right? know what that would be like. <laughs> so you get moved to the front of the room, like, that's going to stop me? <laughs> no, I just talked to them, and I, maybe I whispered lower. But So it's yep. just interesting, I think, and, and it, it really is talk, you know, getting, um, talking to people, getting them to share information, come forward, trust you enough to come forward and share information that maybe is not in their best interest all the time. Um, so yeah, I would like to think, I think I made a difference. I think I was pretty good at it. Absolutely. Well, and not only that, but you also gained all of these skills that you now teach and use as an entrepreneur, right? With all of these incredible uh, consulting roles that you have, but also as a speaker. So let me ask you, can you share an experience or a challenge that was really like a big struggle for you in your career, whether it was in the FBI or after, um, and something that you really had to overcome? Yeah, I think, um, one of the biggest, I, I think one of the biggest struggles, uh, well, there's a couple, I would say, um, one is, uh, you know, dealing with contentious situations, you know, contention in the workplace is just a, uh, you know, it's just going to happen at some point in your career. So, um, you know, learning to address conflict productively, I think was a huge benefit for me. And I, and I learned a lot of that from interview and interrogation and from the hostage negotiation skills. And, and I just think that's so important um, because most people, you know, like me as a very shy young girl, um, you know, I was, I, I've told you this story that I was last in line to see Santa for years. I let everyone cut in front of me because it was just easier not to say anything than, you know what I mean, to have any sort of confrontation. I was willing to be last year after year. So to go from that to being able to address conflict productively, you know, that's a huge leap. And so yeah. now, 
you know, and those skills really helped with that. So I think, you know, dealing with a large staff, um, with any large staff, if you are a manager of large staff, you are going to have some conflicts, staff conflicts, you're going to have some performance issues. So learning to deal with those in a positive, productive way, but address them um, is, is important for anybody. And then with, you know, with my own um, engagement, you know, there were just a couple of times where I had to realize that I'm in a position that, you know, where I don't fit in. You, within organizations, there are, you know, work groups and there's the larger organization and business departments and all of that. And they all have their own culture, and um, and sometimes you just don't fit in. And but I, I will say this: that was probably one of the hardest things because it was, um, you know, I thought it was a spot that I really, really wanted to be. It was highly competitive. It was, you know, all these things. Um, and then when I got there, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And so to recognize that I did not fit in. And to mm -hmm. say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to leave this. What I tried so hard to, to uh, and thought I wanted was, you know, really a jolt of reality. And yet, turned out to be the best thing probably that could have happened because I, I took a similar but different path um, into management. And what I've seen now is I can recognize it so quickly. And I do some mentoring, and I've mentored a couple of folks that are in the, you know, mid-stage, middle management in their careers. And I will have a couple conversations and, you know, get their perspective on what's your situation, what does it look like, what are the dynamics of the office, what's the structure. And I remember saying, I don't think you're going to be successful here. And I just had a conversation with someone that has, you know, called me for a consult consultation. And I said, I will just, the thing I will say is that your values do not align with this particular mm. organization. And so I think... It's, you know, I don't view it, I, I, it was a struggle at the time. Uh, I don't view it as a failure. It was certainly a growth opportunity, a huge opportunity. I did grow from it and learned. And uh, so I try to, you know, share that with other people. Well, and I think it takes a lot of emotional maturity, right? To be able to say whatever age you are, because a lot of times I think when we talk about maturity, we think that comes with age, but that is not necessarily the case. And to have that emotional maturity to say, I have this particular thing in mind, but that path is not either, as you said, it's not aligned with my values or it's just not a healthy place for me to be. And to find another path that allows you to hit your goals and do so, you know, maybe in a way that we hadn't envisioned, but in a way that is you're still ultimately successful. I think that requires so much emotional maturity and also just um, the ability to kind of see outside of ourselves, right? So the ability to kind of envision what is possible and create a new trajectory. And I think that's something really to be applauded. So I love that. And I want to ask you if you would be kind enough to share kind of a cool story that I know um, you share sometimes when you're speaking, and that is your experience of going into um, a jail right? A jail, a prison. Am I saying the right, give me the right terminology and dealing with a culture that had nothing to do with you. Right. And, and, right. uh, conversations and all a whole backstory that had nothing to do with you and being the person who had to create an entirely different outcome. I think it's right. such a great story. And also there's so many lessons to be found in it around how to create positive outcomes, even when it feels like you don't have control. 
Sure, sure. And I'll just preface it by saying, you know, everything we're talking about is is public record, no names, all of that. It's not, <laughs> you know, these are not secrets I'm divulging. Um, so, yeah, it. And I guess before I start the story, even it's it really speaks to the the skill set, right? It's the the problem solving skill set, and then those the listening skill set, um, you know, for building relationships and problem solving. So it's looking at, um, you know, why does someone take a position instead of looking at, yes, you know what their position was, like in the bank robbery, right? You know, don't come in here, I'll hurt her. But his real underlying interests were that he wanted he, he wanted to know what was next for him, right? He didn't know. He had, so to understand the interests helps you understand why someone takes a position. Uh, but I just, so this, this happened, um, I was a fairly new um, manager. I found out that in this particular office, the FBI wasn't allowed in the neighboring federal prison. And I'm like, what? How is that possible? Is that possible? I mean, can the Bureau of Prisons not say the Bureau is not allowed in? Uh, well, they can, and they did. And it, it made our work very, very difficult because, you know, there's work to be done in there. There's, you know, civil rights work. There's sometimes people um, related to other crimes that need to be interviewed. Um, so that was a uh, that posed a real problem. And so I started talking to people. I talked to, to my staff, I talked to the managers, um, and I started to, talking to the Bureau of Prisons people in Washington, D.C., the regional people, the local people. And I took pencil to paper, right? And I, I went through um, the, you know, people versus problems. You know, what, what, is, what is the issue here? What is, here's the position they're taking, but what are their interests? What is the you know, what are the options and alternatives potentially? And then, you know, really considering the, you know, can we come to some sort of agreement or what is this outcome likely to be? Uh, because the outcome mattered, this relationship mattered. And so when I took, when I did that, when I really, you know, basically took this planning sheet that I've created, um, I realized that, you know, there were, we were both at fault, um, that the Bureau folks had been in, in this facility a long time and that was what was so staggering they had been in there so long and and then to be kicked out you know because these people had become friends and, and almost like colleagues and that was at the core of the problem is that it became so comfortable mm -hmm. that um you know the the the, the, li the lines in the road blurred and so what i figured out is we both had responsibility and that their interests really were um, not being told how to run their shop um, there were some, you know, some complaints made and, and some maybe um, assertions made about how things should be done, and they didn't like that much. You know, they wanted to be able to run their shop how they run their shop, and they wanted us to fall in line and, you know, ha stay in our lane, essentially. Uh, but they had relaxed their own rules, and, and that was evident, too. So I asked for a meeting. Um, I showed up with two people, and... My colleagues at the prison um, showed up with eight, <laughs> and I just and uh, I was like, "Wow, okay, this is an ambush, <laughs> but okay." And um, so we tried to, you know, we tried to talk about some of the issues, all the niceties and everything. And I just finally, we were getting nowhere, and I finally said, "You know, listen, um, sir, you know, warden, may we have the room, just you and I?" And and he he finally agreed, and um, uh, and I I just said, "Look." You know, this is how I see it. I put pencil to paper, and I looked at this, and I and I, I think that we stepped out of our lane. We tried to tell you how to run your shop, and for that, I'm sorry. But I also, you know, it appears to me that you you know you relaxed your own rules as well, and so we, we both bear some responsibility. And 
you know, there was just this, it's almost like a sigh in the room uh, for both of us. And, and that was it, a, a well-timed apology mm-hmm. um, was, you know, was a game changer. Um, you know, it did change the dynamic we were allowed in. Certainly there were rules. We both agreed in this outcome that the relationship did matter and, and that we needed to adhere to our lanes in the road. So I just think that is a good example, not only of the, the some of the things that I share when I'm speaking, but in workshops, but um, just in general, you know, understanding the principles of negotiation and um, and listening, listening to what they're saying and what's really on their mind because the emotion behind what they're saying is more, uh, offers more a lot of times than the words that they're saying. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I, I will say, even in the stories that you shared today and just in general, I think there there's so much value in your experiences to teach us like these bigger picture communication skills, right? Whether it's with our partner, whether it's with our children, whether it is with our colleague or our boss. And I love the perspective that you bring to it. And and as you know, like each of our podcasts kind of has a theme because there's there's a theme that that each woman kind of brings to the table and what they do. And even though you and I didn't talk about this theme ahead of time, I feel like so much of, um, you know, of your stories and the way that you teach communication is around emotional intelligence, right? I talked about emotional maturity, but also emotional intelligence to be able to say, um, in the example that you just gave, I showed up in a room where I had no, I wasn't at fault, right? I had nothing to do with it. And yet I was comfortable giving an apology so that we could move forward, right? If that's what was required. So I think that's such a cool um, perspective and way to view. I think so much, so often we get either on the defensive or we think, well, it's not my fault. What do you want from me? Right. And to be able to kind of come to that situation and say, I see what is required in order to move forward, and that's the step I'm gonna take, requires so much emotional intelligence. Um, All right, so let me ask you, Tony, if you will share what you do now, because you shared some really cool stories about your experience in the FBI, but you retired as an assistant special agent in charge, and you have gone on to more great things. So can you share a little bit of what you do today? Sure, yes. So I uh, retired and, and, you know, sitting around was was not in my DNA. (laughs) So I started a risk confidence group and it is a private investigations agency and consultancy. And we typically serve boards of directors, uh, C-suites and HR directors and general counsels and legal teams. And we really, what we do is help them get a clear picture, you know, uh, for all of the issues that concern them. So, um, you know, through our investigations, we're experts at investigations with resources across the U.S. Um, and that's what we are good at, is gathering that information, getting to the core, the root of the issue, and then providing that information to the decision makers so they can make an informed decision. Mm. So what inspires you to stay motivated through all of these, you know, you're, you're constantly dealing with high conflict situations or high... Uh, pressure situations. What keeps you going through all of that? Yeah, well, I'm a problem solver, right? I was organizing things that when I didn't even know what what a problem solver was when, <laughs> when I when I was younger. Organizing and and uh, you know directing or you know engaging with things. So it, it it really is again. It's about people and it's it's about talking to people. It's about getting the story following the story and then following the information in the private sector. You know I'm serving corporations typically, 
Yeah, following the story, I guess. That, that really is it. So that's something that you certainly have a passion for. And I mean, as you know, so much of what we do at She is Fierce at its core is about really identifying either your passion or a sense of purpose, or if you don't feel that you have one, kind of defining that and creating a sense of purpose in your life. So can I come full circle back to that question and ask you how you define purpose and what that actually means to you in your day-to-day life? Of, you know, I, that's really what what drives me. Uh, that is my love, um, uh, gathering information, new information. A, you know, lifelong learner. Uh, so, for me, purpose is filling the need when there's a need. You know, doing what's necessary when it's necessary. And you know, when I think about that, I think about you know education. Your first step out of your family home is to go to college. That means you need to you need to show up. Right? You need to show up, you need to soak in the knowledge, you need to finish uh, at the job. Do the job. You know, support your colleagues, be a good colleague, be collegial, um, learn, grow, uh, move the company forward. As in, in a family situation, you, know, you love, care for, and develop your children into good citizens and um, you know, productive adults. And, uh, and then as an entrepreneur, the same thing, right? It's, it's developing, leading, and growing a company and, and building relationships. So, you know, all of that. And I think when I think about She is Fierce as well, I think about that. It's, feel, you know, your platform and the access to all of the entrepreneurs and expertise that you make available really fills a need when it's needed because it's at it's it's at people's fingertips you know if, if you actively participate so so i for me purpose is that it's it's filling a need you know showing up and filling the need for myself or for others when it's needed hmm. i love that and i think um it's such a beautiful way to approach life right to say like if i see something in front of me that that needs to get done or that needs a solution i'm going to be the person that takes responsibility I think that's inspiring. Uh, Well, let me ask you this, and and maybe we just defined it, but do you think that there's a defining characteristic that has really helped you to be successful in your life? Yeah, well, I think it is because of the curiosity, you know, that just leads to questions and engagement and, and, you know, enthusiastic engagement. And I, so I think that has contributed always to a good attitude. I've always tried to have a good attitude towards everything. There's a silver lining somewhere, right? Um, you know, just like the struggles that we talked about, you know, everybody has a struggle. There's a bump in the road somewhere and nostalgia works that all out, right? Yep. So it's a bump in the road for a time period. Um, you know, it stems from the curiosity, which means, you know, engaging with people and asking questions, um, building relationships and, you know, showing up basically that reliability. So all of that is a combination, I think, of, um, of being reliable, a reliable friend, a, rela- a reliable colleague, uh, you know, a reliable professional. So yeah, I would say that's probably, it, it's kind of a bundle, but, but that's it. <laughs> well, and I think um, that fits so perfectly with what you just shared, right? About how you define your sense of purpose. So that, um, that aligns so well with this kind of value of being reliable and being someone that people can count on. Um, I think that's really meaningful. And clearly, as you've shared in some of these stories, something that you've been living out day to day, 
both in your career in the FBI and then now as an entrepreneur and somebody who is speaking and sharing and teaching on stages as well. So as we kind of come to a close in our conversation, I want to ask you a question that we try to kind of incorporate into our conversations, and that is to reflect back on your story, right, and think about how that story has kind of affected you and how it's touched you and what it calls you to do next. Hmm. Well, that's a good one. Um, so, well, I think uh, when I reflect back on it, I'm like, holy smokes. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, wow, did I really get to, you know, get to do all of those things? Yeah. I got to travel, to experience. Um, so, yeah, there's a wow factor for sure. Uh, and then I think continuing on, you know, it's just that, that to, to do good, it's my time to give back as well. So I do do a lot of service. I do mentoring. Um, so that's, I, I would say that's what it is going forward is, is it's my time to give back. You know, I help, um, young people in, you know, in their job searches, get prepared for interviews, talk through what they really, you know, really want to do. I remember having a conversation with somebody and saying, no, I think you need to turn this down. And they're like, what, turn down a job offer? And I said, but you're not looking for a job, you're looking for a career start. Mm. And they, they, they turned down a job that was gonna be offered at $27,000 in New York City for a job that paid them 68 in New York City because they were willing to wait and get prepared. What a difference, yeah, it's right? It's a pretty big that difference. It's a huge difference uh, So to start off because that, that where you start you know, affects your entire especially when you're talking about a pay scale so yeah absolutely um, so so it is my time to give back and then you know also serve my clients well mm. I love that and I will say you know as I touched a little bit on this before I would say uh, hearing your story and hearing you on our stage but also hearing you in our conversation today um, has taught me so much about intentional communication. So in those moments that you you have to deal with something, there's a conflict that requires a resolution to your point, right? It requires somebody to take action. Um, I, I love and I turn to the lessons that I've learned from you around how to create positive solutions and to step away from that mindset of, oh, just get me out of here. I don't want to deal with this. And into what is the best possible outcome for everybody. Right and how can you approach that? Um, so I, I would say um, a lot of times when I talk about what something's calling me to do, it's like the next step. But for you and, and what your, your whole life experience calls me to do and, and so many lessons that I've learned from you, I think it's so much about taking that approach into the unknown, right? Taking that approach into the day-to-day -day issues that you have and being willing to confront them more boldly, right? But with intel emotional intelligence and with uh, the other person in mind. Right. Well, yeah. And as my one, um, one of my former colleagues says, just, she always says, she goes, oh, she's fierce, which is funny because we're on your podcast. Right? <laughs> well, um, let me ask you one final question. And that is how she is fierce has impacted you in your life. Oh my goodness. Where do I start, Kelly? <laughs> Where do I start? So, well, obviously, you know, you, you uh, asked me to be a speaker right as I was retiring and I was tired and <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was not in that vein at all. But, um, so that was, but that was fantastic. 
Um, and I've loved Women's Wednesdays ever since. But it's also this network of relationships that, that you offer, you know, that She is Fierce offers, certainly that. It's support for entrepreneurs and women in general at whatever stage in their life. Um, I think the access to the CEO uh, mastermind group was fantastic. In, in the group that I participated in, you know, I've got seven years under my belt and there's gals coming in and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, they're going through the same thing that I did. And you hear that, right? You hear that all the time is, oh, I went through this. But, but to actually be a part of it and assist there and still learn, you know, and develop, develop some of the uh, strategies and branding that I was able to take from the group. And then, uh, you know, assistance in developing my keynote and workshops. That was huge in getting me from being stuck, you know, uh, getting my feet out of the, the deep mud and, and taking that step forward and getting that done. And, and I would say this to, to anybody, that if, if you're going to join She is Fierce or you're going to join something else, you have to show up. You have to engage and participate. And when you do that, then, you know, you have that access to, you know, ex expert counsel, uh, different perspectives. So, so that's, um, it's a lot actually. And you have been a dear <laughs> well, friend. <thank> you. <laughs> well, I'm honored to, to call you my friend, Tony, and I'm so grateful for everything that you've done in our community as a speaker, as a, a friend of mine and a mentor of mine in some ways. And um, and all of the just fun that you bring to everything that you do and every time you attend something. So um, let me close this conversation by just saying thank you for your wisdom. I hope that anybody who is listening to this who is looking for a phenomenal speaker on communication skills will reach out to you. And um, I want to thank you again, Tony Krabbit, former FBI assistant special agent in charge and the founder of Risk Confidence Group, LLC. Tony, thank you again so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Kelly. It was, it was a lot of fun and a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the She Is Fierce podcast. Join our community of fierce female leaders and women on the rise who are ready to level up, make more money, find more joy, and make their mark in the world inside our She Is Fierce membership, our high-level CEO mastermind circle for entrepreneurs, or at one of our sold-out live events. Choose how you want to get involved at sheisfiercehq.com.